Be careful, Elder. The heir to this mark is heir to more than just nobility. For it was his ancestor who swore a blood oath to Morgoth. I am not the hero you seek. For it was my family that lost the war. And it was mine who started it. Ours was no chance meeting. Not fate, nor destiny, nor any of the words men use to speak of the forces they lack the conviction to name. Ours was the work of something greater. You must see it. All I see is an elf who won't put down her sword. Come with me to Middle-earth. And together we will redeem both our bloodlines. Now, you're stuck on this island. And you're still short an army. That is all about to change. of power with mary and blake it's a podcast dedicated to the rings of power on amazon prime video so sit back relax and let's chat the glory of the second age My name is Blake, and I, if, if I could send Halbrand into space, I would. That man is just not great, Bob. Uh, I mean, <laughs> seriously, just... Not great, Bob! I don't trust that guy as far as I could throw him. They put him into the sun. I mean, he's something. He uh, is something. Uh, I agree. Uh, the fight scene was great, and I like the mystery behind it all, but 0.0 chance this guy is anywhere near normal. This guy is so far from normal that he can't even see the horizon. Mm. (laughs) I'm here for it, Blake. I'm here for it. Oh, man, we got a lot to unpack in this here episode of Rings of Power. But before we do, we do want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. It is your one-stop shop for all things beauty and skincare. Just search the hashtag MinuteWithMary on your social media platforms of choice and you will get to chat with me about all those things. And we do want to also remind you that you can leave a written review and rating in your podcast app of choice. It's going to help us be found by many other fans of the show. We're actually up to the top 10 podcasts for Apple Podcasts along the Rings of Power search. So we would love to get to the top five by the end of this week. Oh, let's do it. What we need is a couple more written reviews, and I do want to thank um, a few of our friends who have been able to write a little something. It just makes my heart swell. In particular, I had one that just made me so thankful because, um, you know, you, know, you not- read it and it warms your heart a little they, bit. They, they re- we really do. We read all of these and we just are ever so grateful. Um, so our friend who is J.M. Uh, Jay McKenney okay. said, great podcast for the casual Lord of the Rings fan. I read The Hobbit, 
Lord of the Rings trilogy and appendix. And I think you did a great job breaking the show down and making it accessible for the casual Lord of the Rings fan or young viewers. Some of us Tolkien fans can really nerd out, and Tolkien was very in-depth with his world. As amazing as Tolkien was, all of the details and names can be really confusing for some watchers and readers and easily turn people away mm-hmm. from a great story. And they love our breakdown of Bear McCreary's um, musical themes and Howard Short's influence, playing such a huge role in this series. So we just want to thank you, Jay McKenney, as well as our other friends who've left written reviews. It really does mean a lot to us. That's a big deal right there, all those reviews. Yes. I'll take that. All right. On that note, let's get into the show. Once again, Galadriel and Halbrand are picked up on a ship and brought to Numenor. It's the island king ruled by men. Things are really strained there, however, and the queen is not too happy to be seeing Galadriel there. (laughs) Galadriel gets to figure out that Sauron's mark is actually a map of the Southlands, which means she needs to hurry up and get her booty there. She finds out also that Halbrand is supposed to be king of the Southlands. Things are getting quite interesting. The Harfoots are not so sweet after all and end up telling Nori's family that they need to be at the back of the line because the stranger, uh, he gets seen by everybody. Yikes. Arendir's captured by the orcs and they're just having him dig. It's pretty much like that song from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Dig, 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 dig. You know that? That's what they're doing. Nope. You're, you're ca- you don't know? Oh my! No, no God, please, no, 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 Snow White. No. Okay. that's right, Michael. Okay, no! Blake. Obviously, you haven't seen Snow White in a very long time, but my fellow Disney nerds know what I'm talking about. And pretty much all of Arendir's friends get killed by the orcs, and Adar is gonna be meeting Arendir. Like, come on, guys, get some different names. Let's get some different consonants going on because you got, your names are too close. Sauron, but anyway, Saruman. Maybe he's Sauron. I, Adar, Adarondi. I don't know. He's going to be the Adirondack leader. chair. Adar is the leader of the orcs who is going to meet up with Arandir. Who or is Arandir. Arandir. There you sure. Whatever. Potato, potato, <laughs> elf meets leader of the orcs. And that is the recap of All episode right. three. So, as Mary uh, has. has Quickly put, and just, you know, in a good fashion, the title of this episode was Adar, which uh, is, like I said, the episode's name, but it's also the elvish word for father, as a matter of fact. Daddy. And that actually comes into play, not just for Adar, the character, but also, I think, for other characters in this show as well. Uh, We have Nori's father, who has seems to, like, really cause some problems with his broken foot and how they may fall behind. Mm -hmm. Like, that's obviously referring to a father. And, uh, of course, we also have uh, Elendil, who is one of the most famous fathers in all of uh, Middle-earth history as being the father of Isildur, who, as we all know from The Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, is the guy who eventually cuts the one ring off of Sauron's hand and refuses to give it up. So, yeah, just a, a really cool title for this episode, and you would think, and it felt like almost... That the the title of the episode was it didn't relate to anything at, that anybody was saying at all 
all of a sudden until the end. And, and then you were like, oh, I get it. I understand now. All right. The director was Wayne Yip. Now, the, Wayne is actually a really accomplished director, Mary, and he has his beginnings. Well, not his beginnings, but he has a lot of uh, experience with uh, AMC and um you know, this kind of prestige television, uh, beginning with uh, the, the show Preacher on AMC, as well as Into the Badlands. And he has also directed uh, episodes of The Wheel of Time, uh, Doom Patrol, and Doctor Who as well, Mary. And then the writers, once again, also have some... Um, some experience with AMC. The writers were two writers, Jason Cahill and uh, Justin Doble. Now, you know Justin Doble's work, Mary, because he has written on the television show Fringe as well as Into the Badlands. And also, Mary, and most famously, Stranger Things. He hmm. wrote on the first couple of seasons of Stranger Things. And Jason Cahill... Uh, where are my notes here? Come on, Blake. What are we doing here? Jason Cahill is a, a very experienced writer, also wrote on Fringe as well as ER, NYPD Blue, and uh, also Into the Badlands and The Sopranos, as well as Mary, an all-time favorite of Mary and Blake Media, Halt and Catch Fire. So mm -hmm. lots of experience here, and you can see that they all kind of met in into the badlands so we have some really experienced really talented writers behind this episode including a really talented director as well mary your rings rating how many rings are you given this episode i'm giving this episode a 4.8 which is the same that i gave the last one okay still staying on track there were a couple of things that i didn't like about this episode one in particular stood out to me um, visually, okay. so and that has not happened where I've been like, oh, I didn't like how that looked. Sure, but it made up for it in other visual language. Okay, so cool. four point eight. How about you? I'm giving this one a four three. I'm sticking with my last rating from uh, the last episode as well, just like you, Mary, because I think there's some really good stuff here, and then there is some stuff that's really clunky. Mm -hmm. And I again, we 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 can get a feel, we can see the DNA of where things are going. But oddly enough, Mary, we are almost halfway through this season. Next episode will be the the midway point of the season. And I feel like, what are we doing? I mean, if we, were, if we are this far into your season of television and this far into your storytelling, and we still feel like we're building in a, in a manner that is, like, really slow, <laughs> uh, that's... I didn't think it was slow. Uh, no, no, no. I'm still. I'm saying. I don't think the story itself is slow, but the 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 micro part of what they're telling is is good. Actually, I think they're going on at a pretty good clip. But in terms of the macro story, it still feels like we're introducing new characters. We're, we're still world building. We're still there's a lot happening here. So for us to be almost halfway through, oh, it's questionable. Mm -hmm. um, what's happening here but anyway you're gbg you're good you're bad and you're great all right so my good is the numenor score oh yes 
Um, we obviously love it as we use it here in this show because it's so good. And also the visual landscape coming into that land. Those two things combined mm-hmm. of how grand and how detailed and unique this landscape has been visually to us here in the Rings of Power so far, as well as the instrumentation that we hear for Numenar. I loved it. I'm here for it. Super unique and awesome. My bad is the slow motion horse riding smile that we get on Galadriel. I loved so much of it. Show me the hooves in the sand. Nice. Show me the horse's butt with her like teal blue silks flying. Great. Except then we get this slow motion grin, which made Galadriel look like a little kid on Christmas morning, but didn't, I don't know. I didn't think it was very flattering and it just was there for too long. Like, what are we doing here? I, I love the sweeping shots. But at that moment, I just felt awkward. There's no way to say it. I just felt awkward in that slow motion spot. Yeah. So um, that was my bad. And then my great, ugh, bringing it back to Numenor, my friends, because I loved the costumes. I loved the rich blues and boldness. I loved the queen's outfit and her really unique crown. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing how the different uh, uniforms of the men at sea and what that meant of their level. So just visually, the landscape and musically of, of this new land are all my goods and greats. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mary. The the Even the score for Numenor, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned it already, but it just how diverse it is and how diverse it feels it feels like a true melting pot of culture mm-hmm. and um sonic like language if you will and that is the the visual treat of Numenor is in measure with the the scoring Numenor and it really is this beautiful landscape of uh of characters and interactions and little alleyways and and a culture and just the the even the architecture of the city is just stunning i totally agree with you all right for me my good is the fact that galadriel exhibited something other than brooding or tough girl like if you know what i mean like she's always been this person who is on the ball and ready to go and ready for a fight and just the tough girl. Mm -hmm. But she has finally exhibited something other than that. And she actually, and and I agree with you, the the visual of her smiling in slow-mo on the horse. It just took you out for a moment. It's like, "Mm, that, you know what? You stayed a little bit too long in that, Wayne. Just just a tad bit too long. Reminded me of the ending shot of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban where Harry gets frozen on his firebolt. You're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) It's just... Just a little bit too long, Alfonso. It also reminded me of when the hobbits get back together when Frodo is okay and saved in Rivendell and they're all just like slow motion hugging and laughing with each other. It's just a little too much there, (laughs) Peter Jackson. You don't need the (laughs) (laughs) slow-mo. So yeah, I agree. But the the funny thing is, is that she finally exhibits some kind of emotion other than I'm a tough girl. And it shows that she is human, but not human, but she's actually, she has real characterization. Like she seems genuinely excited to go for a ride on the horse, right? And she, her interactions with um, Elendil is the real emotions. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're actual tangible things. And the fact that Elendil can pull out 
some a descriptor like um that she rides uh what what does he what does he say it's um oh what what the hell the hell did he say it was oh she runs fast and blind like her his son and her daughter his daughter um it's an interesting dynamic when you compare that to who she is in the lord of the rings series and i just like the fact that we can pull those emotions out of her and yet still see her kind of dork out over going to the house of lore and 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 riding these and riding the horse i thought that was really i thought that was really cool and uh my bad one of the things that was really clunky in my opinion is the hall brand reveal uh his kingly ship his, reveal? yeah his, okay. his lineage that felt super shoehorned in like and the fact that we keep relying on these kings and exile type feels you know we did that with aragorn okay cool like fine and we're kind of doing that with Elendil already. Like he has this royalty lineage that is some this big mystery. There are so few people in this world that pretty much everyone's related to a king. <laughs> yes, in, in some form or fashion. And then And even if they're not, they're just gonna lie and say they did it. Before they had that twenty three and me DNA test. <laughs> Basically, the the six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon yeah. is now six degrees of separation from a king. Right. And it's not even six degrees. It's like three and a half. Yeah. Oh, of course I'm a king. Of course I'm a king. <laughs> well, I'm a king. So it just felt very clunky and it felt like, oh, we need to give this guy some kind of significance. Um, uh, uh, yeah, he's a king. Sure. Southlands. Okay, great. You know, it, I don't know. I just didn't like that. But my great is the fact that because there are so many characters, the show is still dealing in archetypes and it needs something to continue to ground us and something that we know is uh, close to our hearts that we can immediately um, attach ourselves to in a, in a big macro fashion. And that is Isildur is basically the Luke Skywalker of Lord of the Rings. Why? Because Isildur has these big dreams and he wants to go. He wants to do his thing. He wants to get out there and he's saving people and he's he's like, I'm a pilot or I, I'm a shipmate or, you know, whatever. And he's really good at it. And he, he, he feels that there's something special, but... There's this family member that's holding him back from doing the thing that he wants to do, and he just disappears, and he, and he goes off to do whatever he wants. Mm. And don't be surprised, don't be surprised if Isildur gets a chance to do the thing, and he refuses to do it, because that is an archetype. That is the, the, the way that this is beginning is the Joseph Campbell story, the hero story. You know, it's the thing where you have this... You have a, a person who wants to do the thing and is this great hero and he refuses the call at first and then something happens where he then must take the call. And for Luke Skywalker, it was uh, Uncle Ben, you know, uh, you know, hashtag um, spoilers. Uncle Ben dies. Not Uncle Ben. I'm sorry. Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen dies. And he's like, OK, I'll go with you, Ben Kenobi. And he goes and he, and he becomes the hero. And the same thing is going to happen with Isildur. See. I see him 
instead of a Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. more as an Anakin Skywalker because of a Sildor becoming power hungry. Well, yeah, eventually, yes. Yeah. But within the within the framework of this story, he is because Anakin has good good thoughts and tries hard to prove himself. That's too. true. You know, so that, I see him more Anakin. Okay, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> okay, so that is my great. It just the fact that we're getting all of these characters, we're getting all these different places, and the show is giving us something that we can be comfortable with in terms of an archetype, and uh, dealing with those archetypes in this in this vast world, in this in this vast you know uh, cornucopia of of families and and races and 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 these big lands and. Huge mythos, and it it just it's comfortable knowing that there's an archetype that we can rely on, uh, that we can understand right off the jump. All right, Mob, you ready for the fellowship? Sure, am. Let's do it. Strangers from distant lands, friends of old, you shall be the fellowship of the ring. Wilson starts things off. The shots of Numenor took my breath away, combined with the score, hashtag Bear Flare. It was just spectacular. Watching the relationship building between Halbrand and Galadriel is also a treat. It'll be terrific to see what these two can accomplish together once they stop fighting each other. <laughs> I gave this one 4.2 rings. Definitely better than the premiere and still world building like mad. Look forward to the rest of the season, one and more seasons ahead. This one comes from Allison Fisher. She says, I'm giving this episode a very fine 4.6 rings. This episode really picks it up. It hooked me quick and did not let go. I can really see how they're setting things up for seasons to come. And I'm excited to get starting uh, into the meat of the plot lines. My good is the stakes have officially been raised. When we wake up at the Rondir in the slave pits, we now realize that what's been happening all across the Southlands. And we fully see how far things have progressed right under the noses of the elves and men. We're really starting to see some character development with Galadriel as well. And I'm totally macking on Big Daddy Elendil. Oh my, he is nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call him Big Daddy Elendio from now on. I yeah. like this. <laughs> Good job, Allison. My bad is the jerk-faced Numenorean bullies who try to take on Hallbrand only to get their literal faces smashed in, which brings to light his dark past as a warrior king smash. in training. I like his past being introduced, but his thievery and those guildsmen just put me off. By the way, that him, I could you could see it happening. His hand on top of the guy's shoulder, like you could see him literally unclipping that Love little. It. That was a really cool little detail that I, I was hoping that they would show, and He's they totally basically did. Aladdin. He's just a pickpocket. He steals the <laughs> dagger, steals the pin. My great is the split between the glorious ultra slow mo slow mo horse porn on the beach and bug eyed Betty going completely buck wild on the elves. Now, hear me out. I don't like that she's killing them. It's awful and it's gory. But she is freaktastically creepy interpretation of a warg. The original wargs from Peter Jackson's films were really cool. I liked the giant mutant hyena design. The Hobbit, on the other hand, took a giant flop in the wrong direction, in my opinion, with their Voldemort-esque slit-nosed wargs that were truly Mm. uninspired. But Betty? Oh, she's awesome. I had to pause over and over to really get a good look at her in all her lazy-eyed, snaggle-toothed glory. (laughs) What a creepy 
critter. I love it when creature designers really take the time to create something truly amazing and horrifying. She gives me the heebie-jeebies, and I'm kind of sad we won't see her raging crazy again. And for anyone wondering, I call her Betty because you can clearly see she has engorged teats, (laughs) an indication that she has recently given birth and is nursing warglings. Like I said, somebody clearly took time to really think of this creature, and they have hit the nail on the head. Well done. In truth, I could go on all day about the stuff I loved. I didn't even touch the Harfoots, which had quite poignant and touching scenes, but I'm going (sighs) on so long, so I'll quit here. The Harfoots. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing the podcast. And give me a place to yammer about it. Mary, we have some uh, voicemails as well. You ready? Oh, nice. All right, here we go. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Heather Wilson from Silver Spring, Maryland. Hi, Heather. I'm a proud member of the Nerd Clan. Thank you. A longtime listener and first-time caller. (laughs) Calling with a theory on The Stranger uh, and particularly why I think he can be trusted. First, Nori's father's ankle only broke while the stranger was writing Mm -hmm. the symbol of evil in the dirt. Mm -hmm. Second, the fireflies only died after he created the symbol of evil as Mm -hmm. he continues his attempts to communicate. And don't forget, he collapsed too, as if the act of um, uh, uh, writing that symbol of evil corrupts him as well. Mm, interesting. Uh, and then third, the wizards in later ages were tasked with terribly difficult work and also the need to sacrifice others like Bilbo and Frodo, even if they didn't want to. Remember, one of your commandments, everything is for a reason. I agree that they've connected this wizard with the Harfoots um, almost deliberately, but the storyline usually buffers them from pure evil to protect their innocence. All right, that's all I have on The Stranger. I wish I could get into more of the current show, the current episode, but that's all for now. Thank you. Know, you. If we have learned anything, it is not to trust a bearded wizard because they are ready to sacrifice you, whether you be Bilbo or Frodo or even our beloved Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Okay? Don't trust an elderly wizard. <laughs> By the way, I played the wrong sound for Heather as she was a new listener, so I got to play the right one. There you go. Okay, that's the right That's the right um, sound. Hi, Mary Blake. It's Glow from Methuen. This is... Oh, hold on. I got to play the sound for, Glo- for Gloria. Your cousin from Boston. There's Gloria. For Rings of Power, episode three. I'm giving this one 4.5 rings. It's my favorite out of the three so far. My good is Galadriel on horseback. It was so awesome. She was so happy to be riding. Beautiful beach scene, too. I can't tell what is CGI and what is real location. My bad is that it seems like the showrunners are more... They want to do world building instead of getting the plot moving. It just seemed that way to me um, during this episode. And my great is Aaron Deere. I really like him. Mm-hmm. He has got some serious fighting skills. I loved it when he flew through the air and stabbed that orc. And I wanted to know if you noticed something. I noticed that the Queen Regent's emblem on her chest is the same one as the opening credits. Because it's like, it's just one of those symbols, you know, that is uh, featured in the opening, new opening credits, which I think is fabulous, Joe. Hmm. Okay, that's it. Take care. Interesting. And I am loving Aaron Deere as well. Well, thank you, Gloria. I did not notice that. So this is really cool. But Mary, that we we have some conversation here. <laughs> 
first of all, about, there's a big difference in a wide take, many different takes on the slow-mo for Galadriel. Some people love slow-mo. I and, don't. And some of you don't. And that's okay. And Mary is one of those that, that don't. Um, but I think there is a valid conversation to be had here um, about the showrunners and their intent on the world building of the rings of power. And here's what I'm going to say. I just started the show, the boys and I, Mary, I know you haven't watched it, but it, it, it's a, it's a show about superheroes and, but like if superheroes were like not good people, like they were just, they were just normal people like you and me and they just happened to get powers and some really bad stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but within, an episode I was hooked on the characters where they're going the story the mysteries behind it because it was exceptional writing in this case I'm not sure if the rings of power has gotten there yet but what I will say is this episode felt a lot more focused and it felt a lot more intent on giving us some more meat on the bone for the characters that we already have for the most part um like is Elendil and Isildur and um, their their stories are new, but they're through the lens of Galadriel. So they they kind of, you could see how they can converge, right? Do you feel like this episode was a lot more focused, or do you still feel like they're in the process, the showrunners are, of world building and 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 expanding the world? Half and half, man. I'm here for half and half. It still is super early in this series beginning. So if they're still yeah. expanding the world and introducing us to other people, I'm okay for it. Especially because we know that the series is going to continue for several seasons. I'm okay taking our time. Mm -hmm. And I do like that we've gotten to expand some relationships with people by this point. Yeah. It it feels like it, it almost feels like they're going to do the, okay, we're going to focus on, like they they took the first two episodes to introduce us pretty much to everybody, all the main people that in the areas in which they're going to operate, and then from episode for, for episodes three through eight, they're going to focus on a certain amount of people per episode. So for in this particular case, we didn't have any interaction with the dwarves, we didn't have any interaction with Celebrimbor or Elrond, uh, or or uh, Gilgalad. We didn't have any any interaction at all from any of that. And I, I feel like that's a good thing. Yeah. Because we don't breathe. have to. And, and this show is doing something really funny. We kind of already hit on it where it's like it is moving at a really good clip. But because the plot hasn't been really forwarded at all a whole ton, the macro view of it is that it's kind of moving at a glacial pace, even though. There's like we're jumping around from place to place and person to person doing thing after thing. Um, I feel like we're finally starting to get somewhere, though, with with Aaron Deer and oh, I'm loving him. what's happening in the Southlands, by the way, which is actually Mordor. The Southlands is actually Mordor. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. So the fact that I didn't realize that until they showed the map. Yeah. And I'm like. That's Mordor. Yeah. Oh my God. And is that is the well the Southlands to me is like a big um, country, and Mordor could be, 
a, state, a region. A city. Yeah. You know, like we live in the Northeast sure. of the United States. Well, New England, let's say it right. Okay. New England, <laughs> Rhode Island. Uh, is, the, is the tower upon which uh, they were standing, the elves standing, is that like the tower for Sauron's eye? Oh, I don't know. I, I would hope not. It might be. Yikes, man. Right? Like, I'm not saying that it is. But there's a pre- it's it looks pretty freaking similar. Okay, so we're talking maps, you know, yes. and we're just gonna touch upon this. Galadriel draws the marking that she has seen from Sauron's situation, correct? And she hands it on over, and they see some things, and she figures out it's not just a mark; it's a map. Yes, and it's showing us where we're going. So I want us to think about the times when we have seen this mark. Where have you seen it? Uh, you saw it in the northernmost waste. On that on the slab that slab. was hissing. Yes, you saw it on Finrod's... Chest. Chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you saw I, what it appeared to be the stranger drawing it. I thought a little bit so, too. And I also feel like it's the shape of the wrecked sword, slightly, that Theo holds. That it can kind of be seen a little bit like that, but I know that there's not enough spaces. Yeah, that that's that's, know, that's a little a far, bit of a stretch. It's okay. It's okay. To me, I can see it. <laughs> what is interesting to think, so if Sauron has been leaving this as a map, if he's just been leaving his orcs a map, okay, this is where we're going. Don't forget yeah. everybody. Why did he put it on Finrod? Or did Finrod cut it in himself with his dagger? So other people could find That it. is a great take, Mary. Because why would he put it on Finrod? Yeah, why would he want to alert anybody? Unless he's like, okay, Oryx, if you find this one random dead body when uh, there's mounds of dead bodies. Unless it's a giant FU. Like, uh, I feel like if Sauron did it, it would have been branded. It would have been burned into his flesh, not cut. And I ooh. think about Finrod's dagger and how yes. that was still on him. Yes, okay. So I wonder if he left it as a map for Galadriel. This is a great take, Mary. Thanks. Uh, you know what? I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna co-sign officially. Bam! Just like that, a winner. Absolutely, I'm co-signing on this immediately. This was. This I mean, was... he could have also just written, "It's in the Southlands, Galadriel. Please don't stop." Yeah, trying. but I feel like that. You know, writing a whole sentence <laughs> <laughs> would probably take a lot. Or write less. the word "map" underneath yeah. it. Compass rose, <laughs> something. Oh, well, irrespective of that, Marvin, we do know, we do know that we get some kind of a map, and that is a map of history, because Galadriel is given, essentially, um, a brief rundown, and through Galadriel, it's we, the viewers, are given a brief rundown of uh, some of the shared history between the elves and the Numenorians, who, by the way, are the ancestors of the Gondorians, so the, Numenor is eventually what becomes Gondor. I mean, not Numenor itself, because that's an island, but the, the, the Numenorians the become G- Gondorians. Uh, and y- y- it's kind of cool because the big place, you know, the big palace or whatever it is, is fairly reminiscent of Minas Tirith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the with the tree and the thing that juts out and really cool. I, 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 I like all of that. Uh, what is your take on... on uh, the fact that elves are no longer welcome in Numenor. I I can appreciate it. You know, time has passed. 
that the queen says it hasn't been since her great grandfather, like a grandfather's grandfather's time since an elf has come here. So just like we got to see how how time is different for dwarves compared to elves. I can greatly appreciate how time is different for humans versus elves and how humans may now feel about those elves coming on their lands. Mm-hmm. However, part of me is like, Galadriel, you should know better. Right. You should know how um, how they are going to react. You know, she said as she walked in with Halbrand that she's, uh, she's full of sadness and sorrow mm-hmm. that it's changed so much, but I almost feel like she's surprised a little bit about mm-hmm. how the queen reacts, and I thought Galadriel might have a better understanding of how this was going to go down. Right. Well, the queen regent, uh, Muriel, let's, let's yes. make that official. It's a queen regent, uh, and that is not necessarily the queen, but it is someone that is in charge, that is... Not it's her dad who is the king, correct? Who has been put away due to his love and uh, aff- affinity for the elves. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of that, that conversation shared between Elendil and Galadriel at the House of Lore, you know, that to me feels like a loaded conversation, and that's one of those moments that I'm speaking about where I want to know more about what is going on because those two characters are looking at the same thing, but through different eyes and different meanings. Uh, and Elendil's like, Oh, of course you would, you would know about Elros and, and, and Elrond. And like, you know, thanks to like, thanks to the King we have here, like this still, this house still stands like this house of lore. And she's looking on it like with, you know, um, a fond memory, even though she got along better with Elrond as opposed to Elros. But he's looking at Ellen Deals, almost looking at it through the eyes of like a myth or mis- mystique. Oh, because it was so long ago. Right. What happened to Elros? That is, and that's again, and that's is the person in the tapestry Elros or Elros and Elrond twins? Because that'd be looking just like Elrond. Oh yeah. Or <laughs> is that tapestry of Elrond? I'm assuming it's of Elros. It's a, it, it, yeah, no, that's of Elros definitely because they were both they were looking at it with the intent that that was Elros. Mm-hmm. However, Elrond is absolutely part of that tapestry. So I would love to know, and and again, that's kind of what I was talking about. Where it's I, I need to know more. I need to know more of where this is coming from, where this is going, and what exactly happened, right? Is Elros still around? Where did he, like, where did he end up? No idea. Right? I just... No idea. I find that conversation kind of fascinating. And even even the, all of the interactions between Elendil and, um, and uh, Galadriel, I, just, I find their interactions fantastic. Like, the way that he speaks to her... I'm already invested in this relationship. You know, what was interesting is when he did compare her to his daughter and his son. And obviously, visually, we're looking at Galadriel thinking, okay, she looks younger than him, but she's thousands of years old. So for him to be comparing her to his young adult children, oh, I see these spirits in you, the way he speaks to her like, oh, I get you. You're just this young person. You don't understand how us adults work. You can't be stealing that ship. You poor little thing. (laughs) And in my head, I'm saying, she is so much older than him. And she would probably smoke you, bro. Yes. You would be six feet under before you could even blink an eye. Mm -hmm. 
and you're you're speaking to her that way. Yep. And she kind of says that, like, who are you to be speaking to me in any way that you think you know me? Like, it's it's great. But on the other hand, in the same respect, Isildur is talking to Elendil about Galadriel. Like, that's Galadriel. Like, oh, my God. That's yes. her. Yes. Once again, these myths and everything. And th- that's kind of why I go back to the Star Wars thing, because it reminds me of Luke saying, you were part of the rebellion? You fought the Empire? Like, it, again, <laughs> I'm just throwing this out there. I'm throwing it out there. It's the Campbellian hero. I'm, I can appreciate I, I just, it. I'm, I'm, it's, what I'm, it's what I'm getting. And was the reveal of like... Morgoth and like the plan, like when she was reading the black speech to, did that like for me, that was kind of like, duh. Yeah. It it didn't shock me, but that's of course, because we know the future. We, the viewers know what happens in Lord of the Rings. We know darkness is coming. We know Sauron's coming. We know the rings are coming and it has just been a feeling for Galadriel. It has been an inkling and, so for her to know this is real, mm-hmm. to have something, some kind of evidence when she's been searching. I mean, think about it. She was put down by all of her elven friends. That that kid that once threw rocks at her swan boat <laughs> and then put her down and, and led the guys against her Thondir. You know, all these people, the king, the elvish king, like all these people have not stood by her. And now in her hand, she's holding some proof that there has been a plan. And she's been hearing from all these people that, yes, in effect, this has been happening. You are right, Galadriel. Yeah. Uh, Queen Muriel, Queen Regent Muriel, goes up to this tower towards the end of the episode. And she says, oh, what we feared is here. The elf has arrived. <sighs> Mary, is she speaking to a dead body? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I really hope not. Like, is she speaking to somebody that's not real? Ooh. Like, and that's why Gross. nobody's seen him. That's why he's up in the tower. Ew. And, and, and is she like kind of bananas? I don't think so, but that'd be amazing. Like, that's what I, like, they didn't show this king for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. And that feels to me a little bit underplayed here. Okay. It feels to me that people are overlooking this. Now, maybe he's not dead. Maybe maybe it's just a picture. Maybe what I don't know. Like I'm not going to go full psycho here and 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 pretend that there's a, like a, a bag of bones sitting there like uh like the mother in psycho, okay? I'm not going to do that. However, it just it don't pass the smell test for me. Agreed. There's a little suspense. Who is he? What does he look like? Does he have as beautiful a wardrobe as she does? (laughs) I mean, that's what I'm here for, friends. All right. So we talked about uh, uh, Queen Muriel. We talked about Galadriel and Elendil. Okay. Elendil, though, he's got Isildur. And we need to note that Isildur, when he's on the ship and he's staring off at the mountains, we hear a little bit of some whispering. We don't know exactly what that is. Something, of course, is calling to him. And what's really cool you see staring off and he's getting shouted at by a fellow um, person on the ship to get his attention and it reminded me so much of when Isildur in the future is going to be at Mount Doom and Elrond yes, yells his name to hurry up and throw the dang ring in the fire he's yes, like, Isildur right. <laughs> and he's just entranced you know mm-hmm. and someone is trying to call his name and bring him back to reality mm-hmm. so I absolutely loved that um 
And then, of course, Elendril's daughter. Yep. Who someone Aryan Aryan. Um, one of Isildar's friends says, oh, you just keep, you know, drawing and with your little sketches. So she ends up getting her letter to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry mm-hmm. through an owl. Yeah. How to tell when the hosts aren't listening. <laughs> How to tell when the hosts aren't listening. You have no idea what I just said, did you? You said something about an owl. Exactly. I, I said she just got her lot, her letter of acceptance from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. <laughs> you're just looking around. I was looking at my you're notes. You're like a Sildor. That's what you're like right now. I was now. being called by my notes. <laughs> oh, my Mary, goodness. Mary, I'm going to give this to you. <laughs> Why would you just totally hang me like that? <laughs> that was just really fun. That was fun. <laughs> okay, so we're done with... I heard owl. I'm like, I'm sure. So we're done with the Sildor's family, but while we're still in... Norm- <laughs> Let's chat about Halibrand, because he gets the dagger no, not, back. not Halibrand. What? Like Halibrand? Like Halibrand. Not Halibrand. Oh. Halibrand. I love Halibrand. Halibrand is good. It is so good. You ever had Halibrand with like French toast? Halibrand? Yep. Oh, yeah, baby. I've made that for you. That's how you came to know it. Oh, well, whatevs. I don't You're know. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, anyway Halibrand. Um, Did it come from, from an owl? Halibrand is a great <laughs> pickpocket. As I said, he is Aladdin, oh. one jump ahead of the breadline. Oh! oh. <laughs> so he steals the dagger, then he steals the the button, essentially, oh. because he wants to be a little blacksmith. Oh. Can we please note that while Halibred is eating his muscles and stuff, mm-hmm. and he ends up telling his friends, oh, you know what? I'm having a great time. Drinks on me. Where did Halibred get yeah. his money? Where was this money? He pickpocketed it from them. Must have had he to He must have. have just been like, you know, <laughs> I just stole all of these jabroni's money while yep. I've been sitting here eating yeah, my clams. Be- beers are on me. He I'll pays bring for the beers. Ev- multiple rounds. I think he buys three rounds for that entire tavern. Oh, my gets goodness. Gets them all a little tipsy. What I don't remember the the Queen Regent giving him money. Yeah. It's not like he had like a little packet of coins on So he on. must have taken this money from all these people. Of course, he goes into the back alley and the blacksmith peeps know what's going on they get upset with him and then he turns into captain america oh and one of the one of the really cool effects from this whole fight scene is when he snaps this guy's forearm you can see the bones of the forearm like moving mm-hmm. like it like the we, guy was moving his arm did. And the bones are just moving on the stump. We were there. Like, wow. That was some excellent effects work. Absolutely disgusting. So uh, to me, I feel like maybe he wasn't imbibing in the beverages in the tavern. He Mm -hmm. was hoping that by getting everyone a little tipsy, he would be able to steal this. He goes in back. And these five guys who are assaulting him and trying to get their button back. Not small dudes, by the way. No. Not small dudes. So why is he so strong? Mary, I don't know. This is why I want to send Halbrand 
off to space. Because he was saying some nice stuff. He got the dagger back for Galadriel. I was feeling pretty good. And then he's got some weird music going on when he's fighting people. And it's not Captain America. Cheer for the good guy. I can do this all day. It's not Galadriel. I'm killing a snow Mm -hmm. troll. Nope. There's got a little darkness to his music. It's a little bit of Mordor style music here. Like he face smashes that guy. And and he says to he says to them, please don't do this. And it's not what we eventually realize is um please don't do this because I don't want to get my my butt handed to me, but because I don't want to do this to you. Right? Like, I was about ready for him to have some Spider-Man web slingers boom, boom, and like <laughs> scurry off the wall. There's something. something about Halbrand that is interesting. And he, there is that scene where he's staring off into the distance. He's got like the thousand yard stare, right? And then as these guys are talking to him about, about like, oh, maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're a nobody, whatever. And he's like, he like kind of jumps up because, you know what? You're right. Like I am, I, I I'm here on your island, and this is the deal, and uh, yada yada. Something again, something will pass the smell test with me with him, and I kind of like it. I kind I kind of like the fact that when you're around Halbrand, I feel like anything can happen, and that's when you know you have a good character. Like we're doing the podcast about. Uh, House of the Dragon. And one of the characters that we keep saying, I think that is carrying the show so far is Damon, right? And that's because not only is Matt Smith electric on screen, but because when he is around, when he is around, anything can happen. Like, and he could act one way, like totally evil. And you'd be like, yep, that's about right. Or he could do something that is totally nice. And, deferential you'd be like yep that that makes sense too uh, i'm getting that feeling from Hallbrand, and that's a good thing that's a good thing because so far with all the archetypes that we've discussed and galadriel being the main character one who is of utmost good and there are characters being utmost bad there is a little bit of gray in Hallbrand, and, and do you think that is a um an asset so far mary yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I will say it adds into because she got his DNA test essentially showing who he is, how he is king of the Southlands, descendant of and all this kind of stuff. To me now I'm taking him being Sauron off the table a little bit because this can't just be a random mask. But does that mean that he's not bad? No, I still think he's a bad dude. I yeah. still don't trust him, and I still feel like he's going to play a part in this evil army in some way, shape, or I form. Um, maybe he himself becomes like one of the uh, the witch king or something like that. You just but stole I my just... hot take. You just stole it. I, I'm, I was going to say he becomes the lead ring wraith. I mean, because think about that. He is supposed to be a king. Right. And, go. and his land is freaking Mordor. Yeah. Like... The, <laughs> there's a as as uh, Galadriel says, all of this is destiny. Like th- there's no happenstance. Oh, but and, she's just so excited and hopeful and sweet. Right. And he's told her appearances can be deceiving. So yeah, right. And he so is is this the show telling you up front not to trust him, 
Or is this the show giving you a red herring? Like The show is trying to make us like him. When he tells Galadriel to kneel, and then the Queen Regent says, we don't kneel here, and he says, sorry, that's a little humanizing thing. Mm-hmm. He gets her dagger back, humanizing cute thing. We get to see him begging to be a blacksmith. You know, I feel like a lot of this episode, and then having Galadriel come to him with somewhat of a smile and a gentle nature, we're supposed to be teammates, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be confused about him. Yeah. But it, when so, you dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. Hey, I was waiting for you, I got Disney. You. Thank you. Um, thank you, Princess Tiana. Um, I'm just, like you said, not passing the smell what, test. So here's the other thing about him, too, that I, I keep thinking of, which is why does he want so badly, so badly to work as a smith? Like, he is intent. Is it just because he wants to start over and he doesn't even want to go back to the Southlands? Or does he need to make something before he gets to the Southlands? I'm all set. I'm passing on him. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yep. Nope. This is a a Tupperware full of bad fish. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, talking about bad things, something that probably smells like bad fish is hanging out with the orcs. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, the... the This definitely would not be an episode we would watch with our children. Oh, no, no. The violence here, especially with the warg, is pretty intense. Aside from that warg looking like a rabies, rabies-infested chihuahua face, <laughs> animated chihuahua face... Uh, yeah, it's but it's an intense sequence. I think the action in this sequence yes. is is very good. Uh, Aaron Deer running up the chains and just hacking down that little tent. I have been racking my brain on how I know Aaron Deer because I am all in now with Aaron Deer. Okay, yep. Aaron Deer, the actor, mm-hmm. was on Sesame Street. Stop I swear it! To God! Oh my goodness gracious! I think he, he was on when our eldest would have been watching Sesame Street with us. I remember no him way. singing at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade with the Roots. Stop it! He was part of a giant Sesame Street campaign to have um, a new um, Latino member on on Sesame Street. He's from Puerto Rico. It was like. It was basically American Idol, but for Sesame Street. No. And he made it. Wow. And that I is did he, not how know he this. got his big break. Interesting. Was chilling with Elmo <laughs> on Sesame Street. But he can sing, he can do dance. Like he's a multifaceted. Elmo, go person. kill horks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as you see, Aaron Deer jump around, slashing orcs. Wow. Playing with think, a work. Just of, know that this think guy. Of Elmo. Got his start on Sesame Street. Wow, interesting. Um, yeah, all, all the special effects are great. And one, and here's another thing that happens too: the deaths of the other elves are played off very dramatically. Um, you know, especially like the guy that was the boss with the arrows and how he turns around and the arrows come in and you see it and then he gets hit again. It's almost That's, like Boromir. Yes, yes. Um, does that work for you? Like. Because it's it's calling back to some DNA uh, of go, what Blake, the Lord I of the Rings. Hold up a picture of him. Oh my goodness gracious! Mando, that yep. Look, Armando, yep. Look Armando. at that. Yeah, yeah. He was straight up Sesame Street on Sesame Street. You're welcome. Wow. Um, so does do these do these deaths do they do they work for you or 
and if they don't, I that's think they fine. were great. I, you know, I. It's amazing because, as I've said before, it's hard sometimes to connect with the elf elf characters because of just the way that their personality traits are. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Deer, maybe it's his ruggedness, ruggedness of. of of his elf type, but I just feel a lot for him. So yeah. knowing that he's this romantic and now seeing how he wants to stand up for his fellow Patriot elves, you know, just trying to make <laughs> things work. Um, I, I believe everything. I yeah. believe everything in this. And it was, it was very scary and it was intense. He of course is the one that gets to realize um, that the sunlight is something that's really bothering the orcs. I loved how the orcs even used what seemed to be like a snake skin. Oh, right, to cover them up, and then and then he bangs the thing down, and they all get singed. You could hear the the, the frying sound, right? Yeah, I thought that was a really sizzling. nice nice sound design there. Really quite like that. Um, so I guess the big thing that comes out of this, Mary, is Adar. All right. And who is Adar? And is it Sauron? Right. I I hope it's not. I hope it's I like an it underling of Sauron. Like the gloves that he's wearing certainly is reminiscent of Sauron. But again, we're we're referencing well, I mean, I guess we're not. We we see a design of Sauron in the show. So we're not referencing necessarily His face the Lord looked, of the Rings. Looked Very thin pale. and not the same shape as the orcs. Agreed. So I don't think that he's an orc. Uh, he looked manly or elven to me. Yes. And orcs are, as they said in the show, like elves who have been, um, you know, who, who have fallen. Right. So it's it's an interesting question if it is Sauron. I don't think that it is. But how do you feel about the episode for the second time in a row? Leaving on a cliffhanger with someone being introduced, but in a in a in a blurred out fashion. Like last episode, it was uh, Galadriel meeting who we eventually come to find as Elendil, and in this one, it's just like, oh, here's Adar, and they don't show you who it is, and it's the same I exact. I actually trick. was fine with it yep. until you just said it. It reminds me a lot of chapter book book. Um, cliffhangers and knowing that this show is on a streaming service and in the future when people are watching this and they're able just to binge it i get it i get Mm -hmm. why services like this want people to feel yes let me stay up one more episode it didn't bother me that we got introduced to somebody else i like that he's blurred i like that we don't get to see what he's like because now we get to do have these Really exciting conversations of who is it. Right. What really works for me in this whole sequence is when Aaron Deer finally goes and says, all right, I'll do the tree. And he like almost apologizes to the tree um, because, you know, he is a, a wood elf, right? Mm-hmm. But he finally gets up there and he looks around and he sees that the whole place has just been obliterated, right? And that is what the beginnings of what we have come to know as Mordor. The elves did a terrible job. Right? Like, you how do you not see this? You were supposed to watch over this land. You let orcs tunnel under all of these lands. All this time, you've been here for 70 years. Sleeping at the wheel, baby. And yet, what? Did you never leave your tower? Did you only go down to flirt at the well and that was it? Did you not right. go over the lands to make sure everything was A-OK? How did this happen? It was like there was like Homer Simpson at the nuclear power plant. Just sitting there, feet on the, on the, on the manual and drinking a cup of coffee or a Duff beer. You know, you can just imagine mm-hmm. one of the one of those guys just drinking Duff, looking out, going, "Yep, good day today." Can't what's, see nothing. What's really fun is that this character 
is not included in the written works, the Tolkien written works. Yep. So this is an exciting adventure for all of us who are watching this show. Right. Because we all get to try to see, you know, what what this new character is, who this person is, and how things are going to work out. Right. Um, okay. One one last thing, Mary, the Harfoots. We oh. got the Harfoots. Okay. I remember how last episode I said, I think that the Harfoots are going to be killed. Most of their race is going to be ended. You yes. know, that's why they're not in the future. I actually hope that they do die. <laughs> These people suck. They suck so much. Rest in peace, Blovo, Blubber, Buck, the one who was killed by bees, and they all laugh. Yep. And he calls him an idiot, an idiot. An idiot. An idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Poppy, who's having a moment as they list off her and what I her, believe to be her, her whole entire family, family who yes. was lost, I think, maybe in a mudslide or something. Sure. And then Stats of a nerd. she has to pull her caravan by herself. Yeah. By herself. Just they don't put poor little orphan Poppy at the front. Mm-mm. Nobody's helping her out. Poppy, good luck. Sarok just keeps singing that thing. We don't go alone. You stick to the trail. And yet, no, not true. Listen to all these people who you did leave behind. So what you are you sing saying? all the time saying, we never leave anybody behind. And then you have a whole song or you have a whole spiel of all the people book. you did leave behind. <laughs> you get a whole book of people. You are as bad as Rose on Titanic. Never let go. And then you let go. Never let go, Jack. And then I'm going to unhinge your hand and then she said no she actually says i'll never let go yeah, i'll never let go and then, and then she does she cracks 30 seconds his later fingers of <laughs> clinging to life and lets him breaks go. off his thumb and says see you later Sarok and rose you are on the same raft in my opinion i hope you both disappear i hope all of those little harfoots that are super far ahead i hope they get eaten by a warg and that way poppy and the brandy foots can live together happily with the stranger and he can kill them all <laughs> I am so Mary, over these people. Mary coming with the Chernobyl take. Oh my goodness. That is a Chernobyl gracious. take right there. You deserve it. Holy smokes. Oh, he killed all the fireflies. What about all your people? Malva? She needs to be the first to go. Oh my God. Malva. Yeah, you're going to get decaravaned. Get out of here. Oh my God. Not even like a, hey, you know what? You're like, you're like seven years old. Oh, Malva, maybe, maybe you made a mistake. Malva is she, like Karen of oh, the Harfoots. Oh my goodness gracious. And for yes. those of you named Karen I'm sorry and I know how much you hate this trust me my name's Mary I've had a lot of jokes about Mary's my whole life but, but it is what it is the equivalent of the Karen yeah is the Malva zero to 60 in less than a millisecond we should have known those of us in Outlander we should have known her name's Malva when you get Malva weird you never go back you never go full Malva weird <laughs> Only you Outlander fans will get that joke. So we have the stranger who picks up the little star chart after and, a, a, such a fun moment of, of Poppy and Nori trying to get that thing. And he starts looking at it and all of the fires around the Harfoot right. start to kind of sparkle and, and flame up a little bit more. So this tells me that he doesn't know anything. Meaning like he, he's basically he, a squib. He is a squib, but like <laughs> he doesn't even recognize how powerful he is. Mm-hmm. He and I don't think he understands the consequences of what he's doing. Like he doesn't even understand the fact that if you hold a piece of paper too close to the fire, that thing's gonna go up. Right? 
Like that happens. I know. And and then he just kind of like stumbles for 45 seconds <laughs> into this into this camp and then my heart broke just a little bit. Little bit. When he turns around after he breaks free of all the netting and he just oh, says Nori? Nori. Like Nori. Like oh dude. I feel horrible for you oh, because I feel horrible for Nori. That's yeah, so embarrassing. I totally agree. That girl just her whole little plan just went down the thing. Speaking of that little plan, totally could have done without the whole um stuff with Sadik and and Poppy and Nori hiding underneath the. I liked that. I That's what I just said was super cute. No, 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 no. Send it to the wind. Oh, I'm of course out. you don't like it because all she had to do was just wait. She, she had to wait. No, he would have scooped it. Uh, he would have know. picked his book and scooped it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I will say, Sadak singing, okay, we're not going to banish Nori. She just has to go yes. to the back. That You know what? A little bit of... Uh, um, a little bit of... Uh, um, making up for the fact that Malva Nobody just went... Alone. Malva went from zero to 100. Like she went from hey every, everything's everything is awesome to you're gonna die, <laughs> Malva. Oh, and man. they're just so mean. I mean, Nori's dad twisted slash broke his foot. That, that guy straight up, up broke his ankle to to put up a tarp for everybody. He's yeah. just been a nice guy helping everybody with wheels. And they're like, hey, sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Why don't you go to the back? But if you are in a caravan, you probably want to keep your wheel person alive. Right. If none of you know how to deal with wheels, you probably want him. <laughs> and then Nori's, I believe, stepmother, because her father says, oh, after after so-and-so died, Rosie died, um, you know, then I saw you and you've brought so much joy. So I'm now thinking that it's Nori's stepmom. Yep, sure. She is not nice that nice to know not at all the the highest milkweed gets snipped oh my god man can you imagine saying that to your kid no like that is brutal stuff brutal stuff so it shows you the kind of world that nori is living in but i think the moment of the show for all the half foots comes from poppy she says there's common sense and then there's nonsense and if you're all out of the former you can borrow some of mine might be the best line of the whole show (laughs) you can borrow some of mine Good stuff coming from Poppy out of there. That's right. Once again, as we were watching this, I looked at Poppy and Nori and and then all their interactions. I turned to Mary and said, that's you and I. <laughs> all it truly it. is. All of it. And so now the stranger is going to supposedly pull their carts and keep them up with the caravan. We do not know how Malva is going to take this. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they're going to decide to continue to be on the same way. So... Yeah, so we'll see how that all goes. All right, you got anything else that you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, I would love to play the Numenor piece. Oh, this sure. This is my favorite from this episode. Uh, well, I didn't know that this was coming, and so obviously, bear with me for a moment. We love it because we use it here in the show itself. All right, here it is. But it's just, it actually reminds me a bit of pieces from uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, no, this remind. This is straight up Battlestar Galactica here. <sighs> This is straight. If you yes. ever listen to BSG, yes. this is BSG the whole way. Oh, nice. You're right. And we get just this grand. Um, I like it because it still allows everything to kind of breathe a little bit. You're feeling foreign. You're feeling like something epic is coming. Yeah. But it is dramatically different the way the instruments are being played. 
and we get to see I love it because it opens with the architecture of the place itself being so different we have the towers and then the flame lights up as the ship comes in we've got these huge boulders with people carved inside of oh, it also reminiscent of Gondor by the way mm-hmm. like that, that's a thing that they do um, now we have all of these male voices coming in and we've heard a lot of the male voices before with the the dwarves and this is a bit um, a bit more gentle but still adding this to me a big sense of strength yes that yes this is different and this is it feels more heroic as opposed to uh, industrial if you know what I mean um, yeah I can and then of course we add in the higher voices yeah. and to me this is just soaring and magnificent we've got those beautiful higher horns some french horns like you were saying adding in that that heroic fanfare feeling of it yeah. and then right here this is just grandeur like this is the city that that blows your mind visually right um, awesome. So and and again, it's piece. full of full of different styles. Like this feels very Middle Eastern to mm-hmm. me, right? This feels like just foreign. I, like, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, yeah, but you combine that with the higher, uh, the higher voices that re- it reminds me of the elves. It, it, it feels more of like a heroic, it, it, the, the strength of man feel from, uh, from the Southlands, or I'm not, not not the Southlands, but from Gondor itself, yeah. This this is like just a really cool amalgam. I think of the entire show mm-hmm. put into this one theme. Oh wow! That's I don't know. A lot. What do you think? No, I, you know, it, well, well, Blake and I before we even watched this, the, you know, the series, and we just started to really listen to the soundtrack, trying to figure out which pieces do we want. Yeah, we featured on our podcast. This one stood out. Yeah, we heard this right one. away. I we were like, "Yep, this is it. This is it. <laughs> this is it." We were in our little little mini Cooper, and we were driving along. Mm-hmm. We were eating Sonic, <laughs> and I said, "Yep, this is it." That, that was what we did that whole day. I know. We just took the kids driving around Rhode Island, and we listened to this and we album. Listened to it, and we said, "We have to pick our songs." And yeah. <laughs> Bear McCreary did done good. <laughs> you were drinking Slurpees. Slushies. <laughs> Slushies, whatever. Same thing. It was a blue coconut slushy. I grew up as a slush puppy kid. Oh. <laughs> we don't really do those in Rhode Island. No, not anymore. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to talk about, my love? That is it. All right. Good. You ready to get into some trivia? Yes. All right. Hold on one second. Let's find my button for it. Oh, come on, Blake. Here we go. Here it is. Let's do some trivia. All right, so most of the details and elaborations in this show are derived from The Lord of the Rings, its prologue entitled Concerning Hobbits, and its appendices, A through F, where the intrepid traveler may journey to discover even farther horizons. So that's how all of this, that's where all this information is being derived. Once slaves of the dark power themselves, orcs have been known to enslave even their own kind and have often forced their conquered enemies into hard labor at their cruel hands. Pause. What do we think the orcs are digging for? We didn't get to talk about that. Well, I think they're digging to get to the place where they're supposed to be because they can't just run through the sun, right? But the elves say it's like we're digging for something. Good point. 
We're I don't not know. just making a highway. I don't know. But they have to travel, right? They so have to they- travel, yes. But the way that it was said when Aaron Deer first arrived, they made it feel like we've been digging for something. Good point. Good point. And here, here's a little bit of... I think it's the sword. I think it's Theo's sword. Ooh, good one. I like that idea. They're looking for it. Yep, Watch out, I agree. Theo. Oh, speaking of sword, is the sword that Elendil is given by Queen Muriel? I didn't understand what she was meaning by that. Are you telling me to kill her? What are you doing? <laughs> is that the sword, do you think, that Isildur will eventually use to cut off Sauron's fingers? Sure, why not? I really don't know. I don't know either. I'm just I, It's just a guess. I'm just throwing that out there. All right. Um, the central wharf of Numenor's capital city is towered over by a statue of Erendil, the mariner, the half-elven savior of Middle-earth in the Elder Days, and the forebearer of this human kingdom's royal line. Interesting. So I wonder what that means for Elendil, because he was supposed to be part of the royal line, right? Yes. That's what they said in the show. Yes. So that's and like what what is he saying? Like there's no more part of the western shores for us. Like I wonder what that is when he was saying that to Isildur. I didn't know. That's interesting. Very good stuff. The ancestors of the Numenorians were called the Edain, the men and women who first went west in Middle Earth. They were allies of the elves in the First Age War against Morgoth. Speaking that Numenor is an island, that's why it's kind of like uh really into ships and all the ocean and the ocean never lies um, because they have to be. They're like the England, okay? They're like England um, off of, you know, they're in between Valinor and Middle-earth. Yes. So that's how that goes. All right. Uh, Numenorians are mariners of great renown and lords of many ships on their island, which is also called Elena, but they are forbidden from sailing west out of sight of their own shores by the ban of the Valar to prevent them from seeking the undying lands themselves. Mm. The Valar are the um, yes. from Valinor, and that is from where uh, Galadriel uh, descends. It is a mark of evil things that came into the great darkness that they cannot abide by the sun. Some orcs can endure its light better than others, but they all hate it and only seldom will journey in the open while the sun shines. I mean, that's basically me in the sun, too. <laughs> so just picture Mary as, a, as an orc running around with, a, with like a... Where's my SPF 100? <laughs> Spend two hours, I need to reapply. Sylvan elves hold a great love for trees, delighting in their wood and life within them, often watching them grow from acorns to ruinous old age. Given enough time, they say that the might e- they might even hear the voices of the trees and understand their thoughts. Mm. In contrast to the lesser men or low men who remained in Middle-earth, the Numenorians were gifted a lifespan uh, for greater than their cousins who were left behind, up to three times a normal human lifetime in earlier days. Interesting. And that's why they were calling um, um, uh, what the heck is Halbrand? Low man. Mm-hmm. See, there you go. Elros, the king of Numenor, who ruled under the name Tarminator, was a half-elf like his brother Elrond, but when given the choice by the Valar, he chose mortality and a human life. Aww. Interesting. Cutie. So, guess that's where he is. Mm-hmm. He's probably croaked by now. Halflings delight in parties, and the Harvest Festival is a tradition meant to help the Harfoots prepare for the arduous mar- migration that lies ahead. Harfoots use a pictographic writing system that uses symbols to convey meanings that can help to note 
more to note important natural rhythms and tabulations which can help them better prepare for future migrations. The wide world is always around the Harfoots. They're vulnerable and unable to fence out the many dangers that exist for small-sized creatures like themselves. And Sadik Burroughs is the Harfoot's trail finder and leads the caravan. He uses his unique star book passed down through the generations to guide the Harfoots on the right course from one seasonal haven to the next. The Numenorians' love of sea extends to all elements of their culture. The statue in the center of the chamber where uh, Halbrand is being held is a personification of the sea itself, as this was not originally a dungeon, but rather reappropriated as one sometime in the past. Everything the Harfoots own, they make or find, and then carry with them inside their cots, their most valued possessions. All of them are in those carts. Including snails. And wargs are akin to uh, are akin to wolves and are closely aligned with orcs in the darkness they serve. And that is that. Mary, that's the end of the trivia. Got anything for me? <laughs> Interesting, cool stuff. And once again, <laughs> we're here to make sure that you don't miss a moment and if you don't get to have those little extra bits during your viewing. All right, you got any um, hot takes? Any more hot takes? No. I don't have one because I already gave you my hot take. I think that Halbrain is going to be the lead ring wraith. However, there is a hot take that I want to call out from one of our listeners. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. All right, so this one comes from Janelle McKenney, and she says... She thinks that Sauron has Gilgalad captive in a dungeon somewhere, and he is posing as the High King himself. This is why he calls the elves away from the Southlands, and this is why he sends his most dedicated rival to Valinor. And the only time we see him alone, he picks up a leaf that has black creeping up the stem from his hand. Interesting stuff. I love this take I love this take mm-hmm. it's a little Harry Pottery it's a you know be, because of uh, uh, hashtag spoilers no, Mad-Eye Moody no I wouldn't think that it was Harry Pottery I would just say that it's very much like Sauron Sauron is in disguise frequently correct so I love this idea and I wonder if Gilgalad was sent Elrond to go help Celebrimbor, knowing that Elrond would use his ties to the dwarves to help make this thing, this tower, for the One Ring. Hmm. Like I just, I wonder if this I is think all it'd be happening. Really cool. Yeah. I think this is a cool idea. Man. I like it too. I'm, I'm in on this idea. I will co-sign. I concur. You officially co-sign? I mean, I'm not co-signing, but I think it's cool. Oh wow! Okay. I'm not co-signing. I'm going to co-sign. Go for it. All right, cool. All right, anything else? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right, let's close it out, shall we? We shall. We 
want to thank you once again so incredibly much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. And if you feel so inclined, just screenshot your phone right now and pop it up in your stories. Pop it on your wall. Let people know that they can check out this podcast if they are watching this show as well. There are so many people out there who are still not podcast listeners. I know. It's wild. And yet they love this show. And they want to talk about it with people. So let them know. Bring them into the podcast world, my friends. Let them know about it. Tag Blake and myself. Tag Mary and Blake Medium. You can also join our exclusive Facebook community. Just head on over to Facebook and search Mary and Blake. Or you can go to jointhenerdclan.com. That is our special community where our members get a lot of different cool stuff, a lot of different tools and, and fun free swag and gifts from Mary and I and special chats and, and early access to episodes and special episodes, it, you just, it never runs out at, at jointhenerdclan.com. So go there, check that out, and help support us while you're at it. And look for Mary and I on all of the different social media platforms, whether it is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, I don't know, what, you freaking everything. We're, we're there. We're ready to have a good conversation and, uh, and, and nerd out with you and all your friends about not only the Rings of Power, but the other show that we have going on right now for House of the Dragon, as well as everything else that we have going on at MaryandBlake.com, which is, I just did a count. We have upwards of 15 different podcasts there. I believe it. So <laughs> as Mary looks at me with her eyes half closed, uh, tired as hell. Hey, it's part of having long COVID. <laughs> I know, that's true. All right, that's it, Mary. Thank you, everybody. My name's Mary. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to the Rings of Power with Mary and Blake. Talk soon, friends.